on the way out to Darrington to the unit here that we've been working in for the past nine years. And today we're going to be baptizing 12 men who have come to faith in Christ that are in solitary confinement. seeing God really break out in revival and, and these men who are locked up in a cell that's uh, eight feet long by about five feet wide and so these men are, are using the worst of the worst and we have about to date baptized this past year 77 of these men and today we'll baptize 12. Good morning. Just this morning as I was praying for my message and for this time with you, I was just uh, overwhelmed by uh, the Spirit, and God said to me, just, you love, Tim, you love Jesus stories. And I had not seen that video, so I'm really excited to be able to come out and, and just hear that right off the bat this morning. I just love Jesus stories, and I love seeing what God is doing in our church and through our church. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it great to see all the stuff that's going on? Well, thank you for being here this morning. I was kind of concerned when I saw the rain this morning. It would have been very easy after being here just four days ago for you to go check it off the list. Was here already, not going to show up, but I am very grateful to have you all here. Thank you for those of you that are watching online as well. Welcome to the last Sunday, as you heard, of 2019. Uh, I'm glad that you are here. It is officially after Christmas, and after Christmas means several different things for many of us in here. For some of you, after Christmas means that you will go out this week and spend half price on an item that you just paid full price for three weeks ago. You will go to the store and you'll pay half price. Others of you that received a gift from your coworker or maybe your boss and you smiled as you opened the gift and you said, thank you, I like it a lot, you're returning that gift this week because it's after Christmas. After Christmas means that uh, your relatives are either getting ready to go home or have left, and that means you get your bed back. You're no longer on the couch. You're no longer on an air mattress. You get your house back. Others of us, after Christmas means the decorations are coming down. You're really excited, some of you, to get back into your house, to have your normal house settings again. You're ready to put all of those lights and trees and decorations back into the attic for another, another 11 months. Maybe some of you are like me, though, a little sad. You thought Christmas came and went a little too quickly. You're holding out. You're begging your spouse like I am with my wife. Let's just keep them up one more week, maybe another week, just keeping them there one last time, just to enjoy the season. And after Christmas means it'll be another ten and a half months until we have to listen to, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas music, even though some stations are still playing it, um, it's on its way out, and I think many of us are thankful. 
And uh, after Christmas also means, biblically, that we can look at Matthew chapter 2. It's a great story. It is a story related to the Christmas season, but it really takes place a couple years after the incredible event, the birth of Jesus. Now listen, I'm going to shatter a lot of traditions this morning. That's why I have my nativity set from my home up here on the stage. And Pastor Mark alluded to this when he taught our children uh, at Christmas Eve. But these three guys right here, known as the wise men, or to some of us known as kings, tradition number one I'm going to break, they're not kings. Um, we do sing some songs about we three kings, but the Bible does not tell us that they were kings. To tell us that they were wise men, that they were magi. And we're going to get into a little bit more of what that meant later on in my message. But uh, they weren't kings. Also, they weren't in the nativity scene at the birth of Jesus. They weren't at the manger. So that nativity scene at home, these guys never showed up on time. It's just them and some animals and some shepherds, okay? So they're not there. Uh, these three guys, um, we don't even know if there were three of them. How about that? We've got all songs about three wise men and all of this. There could have been two of them. There could have been several. We don't know how many there were, but we do know this. Historically, wise men, the magi, were very wealthy. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't abnormal for them to travel with servants. So there could have been a whole bunch of them. Now, we know there were three gifts. That tradition is the same, but we don't know there were three of them. So your nativity scene is... Um, not true. Not true. So next year, that's all you're going to see. It's right there. That's it. That's all you need to see. That's it. We good? All right, we're done. Thank you. Have a good night. This passage, though, in Scripture is the perfect after Christmas sermon because it's still the season of Christ's birth, then as it is now. And it, 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 this passage gives us great insight into what following Jesus looks like after Christmas. So if you have your Bibles with you, or if you just want to look up on the side screens or at your notes, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Let's read along together. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went out on their way, and the star they had seen went it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. In a couple days, we are preparing to enter 2020. 
20. 2019 will be behind us. We'll leave it and enter into a new year. And this coming year is either going to be about the king or it's not going to be about the king. You get to decide. The king of the Jews has been born. This is the greatest gift that we've ever received. It's the greatest gift of all time given to us by God. Jesus Christ has been born. And that was the reality 2,000 years ago, and it's still the reality to us today. It's reality for those men who had traveled from the east, coming to to Jerusalem, asking about him. These magi, these wise men, came to Jerusalem asking about him. But now, as back then, some will seek the king, and some will miss the king. From this passage of Scripture, we know of certain people who will miss the king. The first one, historically his name, is Herod. In history books, he's known as Herod the Great. Herod gives us a great picture of what it looks like to miss the king because he's preoccupied with his own kingdom. Some of us will miss the king this year because we're preoccupied with our own kingdom. King Herod was called the Great. He was obsessed with being the Great. He was obsessed with building things. He's historically known as one of the greatest architects of all time. If you've ever been to Israel, you know this. Because there are so many buildings in Israel, when you go there, that are all designed and built by Herod. Herod built the city of Masada. He built the city of Caesarea and the harbor outside of there. He rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. Herod also built the Western Wall, or many of us know as the Wailing Wall, that still exists to this day that people, thousands of people flock every year to go see. Herod was obsessed with his kingdom. He wanted his kingdom to be the best. And Caesar Augustus loved Herod. I mean, Herod was his boy. So whenever Herod needed some money to buy something, he went to Caesar and said, Caesar, I'm going to dedicate this building in your name. And Caesar's like, here's the money. Here you go. Build away, buddy. Build away. Herod reigned in the area of Judea from B.C. 37 to B.C. 4. And that's why we don't think that Jesus was born at year zero. He was more or less born around B.C. 4 or 5. And in the Roman world, Herod was technically the king of the Jews. If you asked anyone in Rome, who is the king of the Jews, the answer would have been Herod. He's the king. So that's why in verse 3 we see Herod is a little concerned. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. <clears throat> Some guys roll in into Jerusalem. They're looking for a kid who has been born king of the Jews. And they ask, where's the king of the Jews? He's been born. Herod's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> of course I've been born. I'm the king of the Jews. I'm their guy. He's troubled. And the word trouble actually in the Greek means agitated. He's shaking inside. He's like, wow, I thought I was the king. Now, you have to hear this uh, about Herod. you got to know a little bit background. This guy's paranoid, he's crazy, and there's nothing more important to him than his kingdom and his throne. He protected it at all costs. As a matter of fact, he didn't look at Jesus as a potential savior. He looked at Jesus as a rival. Somebody's after my throne. And this was his M.O. He cared, he cared about his throne and his kingdom more than anything else. He was powerful and paranoid for his entire life. In fact... He ends up killing several of his family members and cabinet because he felt they threatened his position on the throne. He killed two of his sons. He thought they were after his throne. He killed one of his wives for the same reason. One of the greatest quotes of all time is by Caesar who says, I'd rather be Herod's pig than be one of his sons. That's 
kind of telling. I'd rather be, he'd be nicer to the pig than he would be to his own son. Here's Caesar making that quote. And this is why all of Jerusalem was as troubled as well. He's miserable. He's a murderer. But let's pull back for a minute on Herod. Most of us in here are not like him to that degree, but some of us still might show some traits of Herod because we might be more interested in our kingdom in the coming year than we are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Many of us will work hard in the next year in our own personal kingdoms than we will in our personal relationship with Jesus. For many of us right now, we're making resolutions. I know we're all in here thinking, what is going to be different about 2020? How am I going to live my life differently? And you're working right now how to defend your kingdom of self. You know, we'll care for ourselves. We'll preserve ourselves. We'll seek comfort for ourselves. We'll seek for ourselves what feels good and what do we like to do. And that will be our kingdom of self. Some of us will spend more time focusing on our relationships. For some of you right now, your goal in 2020 is to find a spouse, maybe a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And that's going to be your kingdom that you're going to pursue. And why is that? Because we have a tendency for the kingdom to be about us. Many of us will be busy building our kingdoms in levels of success. We want our careers to rise. We want to climb the corporate ladder. We'll be busy expanding our activities, our travel successes, busy protecting our kingdoms of finance and wealth. Maybe you're at a stage of life right now where you've accumulated a large portion of wealth and, and your finances are solid. But this next year, you've already thought about how I'm going to protect that wealth. And I don't want to lose it. And what am I going to do with it? And I don't want, I want to pray over it and, and worry over it, making sure your kingdom is good. Some parents will continue to serve in the kingdom of their kids because we live in a culture today that elevates our kids to throne status and will wreck our lives and will wreck our finances and will wreck our schedules and will become so busy because our kids have a soccer match that our coach, their coach asked them to attend. And we'll have to go and we'll make certain that we serve in the kingdom of our kids. And even some, friends, will serve in personal ministries at this church. Good stuff we're doing for God will become a kingdom that we can only use the kingdom of God to do. And we'll support ourselves through the kingdom of God under the headlines of, we're doing this for God. But really it's about the kingdom you're interested in. A kingdom within the kingdom. Like 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born in a bunch of worldly kingdoms as an eternal king. In 2020, would you be willing to give up your kingdom for his Herod would not. But Herod's not the only weird guy in this story. I get Herod. Herod's been selfish from day one. Herod's always been about him. He doesn't have a relationship with God. He doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. He's all about him. I get that. But there are some, if you notice, there are some very spiritual people in this passage. There are some spiritual people, one of like, like some of the most, like most spiritual people in the world at this time. And there's another group of people who miss King Jesus who is being born, who was born just five miles south of where they are. We find them in verse 4. Look what it says here. When Herod had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born. Herod is assembling all the chief priests and the scribes, the teachers of the law, these guys who knew everything, the spiritual elite. You could not find guys who gave more, who went to church more, who prayed more, who served more. They looked from the outside super spiritual. Right now, think of the most spiritual person you know and times that by 10. That's these guys. These guys knew it all. And yet, here's the deal. All these guys know the scriptures. 
They know what's coming. They know what's happened. And they don't put it into action. We get to the story, and do you know what they do? You know what they know? These spiritual elite, they know because they have studied their Bi- the Bible the entire life, the Old Testament. They know Genesis to Malachi like the back of their hand. Many of them had memorized the entire Old Testament. They know that the king of Jews is coming. They know he's going to be born in Bethlehem. They know that the king of Jews is coming, going to be born in Bethlehem, and that he's going to be born of a virgin. They know this from everything they've studied all their lives. They know that he's coming to save people, that save them from their sins. He's going to be taking up the throne of David. He's going to be living and, and going to reign in Jerusalem where David was born. Right there in Bethlehem, they're only five miles north. Herod's like, hey, smart religious guys, I've got a question. Where's the Messiah going to be born? And they're like, hey, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says this. Well, of course, it didn't say 5-2 yet, but they said, hey, prophet Micah says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And in Isaiah, it says that he's going to be born of a virgin, and he will be called Emmanuel. These guys knew everything about Jesus. And yet when some wise guys come into town asking about the star and this king that is born, they just act like they don't care. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is right there. All they had to do was take a little hike five miles south, go to the place of Mary and Joseph, and ask, Hey, you claimed to be a virgin when he was born. That's weird. Oh, he's born in Bethlehem. That's weird. His name is Jesus Christ. That's weird. At what point do these guys just say, let's forget Herod. Let's just go there and worship this king and worship this Messiah that's been promised for years and years. And now some wise men are in their city and saying it's happened, but they don't follow up. Is it possible that you and I are like these religious guys? Is it possible that when the wonder and the miracle of Christmas is over and when we take baby Jesus, we take him off the nativity scene, we put him back in the box physically, that maybe we put baby Jesus back in the box spiritually and then we put him back up in the attic and we forget about Jesus until next Christmas? See, the assembly of priests and teachers teaches us that it's possible to be very religious to be very spiritual, to know a lot about God, to claim to love God, to go through God motions, to do God things, but not pursue him. Because as far as we know, these spiritual guys, the spiritual elite, stayed in Jerusalem, and the Messiah was five miles away. Is it possible that you and I are the same? See, in a few days, it's back to normal, right? After we get through New Year's, We're back into the normal routine, work, school, the same patterns that we're used to pretty much 11 months out of the year. For some of you today, it's the first time, let's be honest, that you put on jeans or slacks because you've been living in sweats for the last couple days, maybe shorts because it's been so warm, and uh, you're like, ooh, a little tighter today, you know, kind of all the food that we ate, you know, sweats and shorts are very forgiving, aren't they, you know, around this time of the year. But we're going to get back to normal, and life's going to be different. And it's, you know, we're not going to have the holiday season. What if? What if is when we get back into the routine that we prayed this year, every day, that we would seek Jesus in every area of our lives? What if it's not just the boss we have to deal with? What if it's not the nosy neighbor next door? What if it's not the issues with extended family that we have to deal with? What if it's more than that? What if God is really moving 
And what if Jesus is as close as he was to these guys in Bethlehem and where you work and where you live? And what if he is that close? I believe he is. I believe he is. What if we ask ourselves this question about Sugar Creek? What if it's just another 52 service that we go to, 52 times we gather to sing songs, 52 sermons we hear? And what if we just go through the motions, but Jesus had something powerful and miraculous and awesome that he wanted to do in our lives, and we're just like, whatever. I know scripture, whatever. I'm spiritual, whatever. What if Jesus is as close as Bethlehem, all wonderful and miraculous, and we miss him because we're spiritually just going through the motions? Christmas is over, but the kingdom of the Christ child is not. So what if we went to work and hung out with our friends looking for Christ to appear? What if in this coming year we prayed earnestly every day that our boss, our co-workers, would meet Jesus through us? And what if we sought Jesus for our relatives who just left? And what if we said in 2020, we're going to love God we're going to serve God, and we're going to look for him in his miraculous work in our lives every day because I believe this about the king, that my king does that kind of stuff. Let's make 2020 different this year, church. So there were some people that missed the king, but there were some people who were seeking the king. The wise men give us a great illustration of what it means to seek the king See, these wise men are magi, or in other words, they were called soothsayers or uh, dream interpreters or the spiritual elite. They were prophets, star readers. Uh, There's a long line history of wise men that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years, quite possibly to Daniel. If you did a study of the Old Testament of Daniel, uh, Daniel has the characteristics of being a wise man, a magi. We don't know that for certain, but he was a dream interpreter, and these were very faithful men. And they're following a star. These wise men are following a star. God said to them, follow the star and you will find my son. And they obey. They have been following a star. Not a comet, not a shooting star, not an alignment of stars. A miraculous sign from God. They are in tune with God's leading and his voice. And they assume, because this is what they've been taught, that the king will be in Jerusalem. The city of Jewish kings, of course. And that's why they go to Jerusalem. They're looking for the king of the Jews the city of David. To them it makes sense, but the star takes them to a house. A house in Bethlehem. And when they get there, they are overjoyed. They are filled with so much joy. Look what it says in verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. See, the child was in a manger, but after the registration, after the taxation, after the census taking, eventually Mary and Joseph, over the next two years, move into a house. They've cleared out from the manger and now they're staying in a house so the wise men come to the house. But I want to tell you something. I want you to see something in verse 10 that we don't want to miss because Matthew goes to great extent to explain it to us. It's not going to seem like it in the English, but let me explain. In verse 10 it says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. There are four words in the original Greek language which mean much and joy. These wise men were like, yes! We found him. This is him. This is God in the flesh. This is Jesus. This is Emmanuel. This is who we've been looking for. We have found the Christ child. They're overjoyed. 
They have been seeking Jesus, and they found him. Can I tell you this for 2020? If you want joy this year, if you want your life to make sense, if you want your life to matter, then why don't we follow what grown-up Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, where he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. We're talking about kingdoms here. And Jesus is saying as a grown-up in chapter 6, seek the kingdom of God first. You want joy this year? You want great relationships? You want a great marriage? You want great finances? You want great hope? You want great future, great dreams, great success? If you seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness, you will experience that kind of joy, the kind of joy the wise men experienced. Yes, Jesus. It's about him. Listen, some of us are going to get exactly here a year from now, in 2020, and we're going to say this. Yeah, what a cruddy year it was. That was a terrible year. That was the worst year. I can't believe it. You know why? You didn't seek Jesus. You didn't. I'm just being real. You didn't seek him for the joy that he could bring. If you want joy this year, seek him above all else. And when you do, and when you find Jesus, you know what you do? You worship him. You worship him. See, when the, when the wise men came into the presence of Jesus, they fell down, the original language says. It says bowed in ours, but they fell down on their face before him, which shows the reverence and humilities. They literally fell on their face and they worshiped. It could have been a little awkward, don't you think? Here's Mary singing lullabies to Jesus. These guys walk in and boom, right to the ground. They're like, what is going on? And they go, is this Jesus? Mary's like, yes. But they worshipped him. The original language says to kiss the hand. It speaks to the greatness of this boy king, the eternal God in flesh. And I don't know if they kissed his hand. I don't know if they sang songs to him, but they worshipped him. Did they say great things about him? I have no idea. But this says something about what the wise men thought of Jesus. They didn't think he was some magical baby. They believed that he was God in the flesh and they're in the ever presence of God. And they fall down and they worship. See, when you truly humble yourself, you truly come before God in humble in humility and reverence, and you recognize his greatness, you're close to being who God wants you to be after Christmas. See, we get all excited about baby Jesus in the manger, we sing away in the manger, silent nine, we get all teary-eyed. But then after Christmas, what? Worship him. Why do we sing songs every Sunday here? Why? Because he's worthy of worship. He's great and he's awesome and he saved us from our sins. So we bow down before him. We give him what is due him. That's my Jesus. That's my king. You want my pastoral opinion, my personal opinion about what it would take for you to experience more joy in 2020? Here it is. Come to church more often. Deep, huh? Pretty deep. Theological stuff there. Just come to church more. Because here is where we worship as a congregation. You need to be here. This is where we feel the movement of the Spirit throughout this place, together as a family. And I invite you to make 2020 the year that you come and you learn how to worship this guy, Jesus. To be a part of our family here as a church. Because when you find him and when you worship him, what comes next? 
It's not even a problem. Look what, it's ha- what, look what happens in verse 11. These wise men are worshiping Jesus. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When you find someone greater than you, it's easy to say, here you go. You're awesome. You're incredible. I want to give you these gifts. In humility, I want to give these gifts to you. And they offered it by opening their treasures. There's three types of treasures I want to share with you this morning, how we can open our treasures in 2020 to Jesus. See, these wise men opened their treasures first. They, they kept their valuables in a, in, a, in a storage bin. They opened it up before Jesus. And I hope that you will join me and determine that 2020 will be the year that you will open your treasures to God. Just to open to him what is valuable. Say, God, I'm exposing everything in my life to you for you to have because it is yours and you've given it to me to hold on to, but I don't want to just keep it to myself. I want to share it. First treasure would be your treasure of time. Give him the treasure of your time. Will you prioritize this church, his church, as the most important thing in your life? Will you prioritize church and connect groups as being a part of the family of God? Would you make it a priority and say, God, my schedule, everything is open to you? Would you open up your treasure of talents? God has gifted every single one of you in here. God has gifted you with talents that are necessary for the church. Talents that we need to keep doing what he has called us to do, but some of us have never opened up that treasure. Why not, this, why not this year say, God, I'm good at this. Can you use this? I feel like I have some talents in this area. Could you use me in this area at the church, Lord? Would you open your treasure of talents this year? Would you open your treasure of resources? Would you make a commitment this year to do one thing with your money? Ready? Give more so you can worship him more. See, these wise men, they offered gifts to Jesus. We know it wasn't Christmas. It was well after the birth of Jesus, a couple of years. But it's still Christmas in the fact that he is receiving gifts. He received gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And gold is gold. We know what that is. Frankincense and myrrh were ointments and perfumes. A lot of Bible teachers and pastors will try to spin some spirit, spiritual allegory into uh, what these gifts represent. I don't know if it's true or not. Like frankincense and, and myrrh were for the burial and the... And the um, kind of the perfume for the body, and then gold was for being the king. I do know this, though. Um, My professional theological opinion is they're expensive. They're worth a lot. You could get some really cold cash out in the market for these gifts. So maybe you're asking, what does it have to do with us? Well, for these peasants from Galilee named Mary and Joseph, uh, they just won the lottery. As the story goes on, God's going to give them a vision that they're going to have to flee to Egypt to get away from Herod who wants to kill the baby. So how are they going to fund this trip? Huh, a bunch of wise guys just came in from the east and dumped a bunch of cash right in their lap. God could have done anything to get Jesus to Egypt. He could have done it all on his own, but he chose to use the wise men just like he chooses to use you and I to fund the ministries of this church and his church to see his mission move forward. See, I believe practically the more we give, the more God's church is advanced. I believe practically the more we give, the more natural it becomes, and the more the world sees Jesus in us. So will this be the year that you seek 
Jesus? Or will this be the year that you miss him? My prayer is this is the year that you open your treasures, that you open your treasure of time, talents, and resources. Because I believe God has an incredible mission and plan for this church in 2020. He's got a plan for your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. He wants to reach them. Will you be someone this year that seeks the king above all else? My prayer is that you will. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the story in Scripture that can come to life today for us that happened so many years ago but can teach us so much of who you want us to be. Lord, we want to seek you. We want to worship you. So we give you our treasures this morning. Lord, in our minds right now, with our hands open wide, we open up our treasure, our storage of our treasure, of time, talents, and resources. Lord, we know that you will bless us when we seek you. So we give you these to you this morning. We pray, Lord, as we enter the next year and the next couple of days, that, Lord, our hearts would be full. Our hearts and our minds would be full of you, that we would pursue you as our kingdom in the next year. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.